do we believe in aliens, extraterrestrial beings? So humanity has always been fascinated by the question of whether there are aliens or there are extraterrestrial beings on other planets. We humans are always inquisitive. We like to figure out factual things, but we're also very imaginative. We like to imagine different things, and we often like to see if our imaginations, um, our imagination is actually true, or there may be some truth to that imagination. So humans have always wondered whether there are maybe other civilizations, other beings, other people-like existences, intelligent beings perhaps, out there somewhere, um, somewhere out there in space. In, the, in recent decades, we, um, our country, our nation, um, other nations, private funding has poured tens of billions of dollars into the search for extraterrestrial life. In fact, we can argue that the NASA's billions that they've spent on all the Mars rovers um, is mostly a quest seeking um, to answer this question of whether there is any extraterrestrial life. So we've actually, this, though we've spent a lot of money on it um, and we've discovered maybe possibility for other life, we haven't yet as of today found that extraterrestrial life. We have not proven that it is there yet we might still be early on in our search, and maybe many, a lot more still we can do, but we have never found any aliens or even any life outside of our planet. That doesn't mean that it's not there. Now, we should mention that there is a very large percentage of our country, um, surveys show, believe that there, we actually have met aliens, believe that there are unidentified flying objects or UFOs that have arrived carrying aliens and we have had contact with them, but are hidden due to various conspiracies. And a very significant number of people do believe that. Um, I'm not going to debate whether that may be true or not, uh, but we're gonna ignore that possibility and conspiracy theories. We're gonna go with the official um, viewpoint for today uh, that so far we have not yet directly contacted any alien civilizations or any aliens, um, or even found any life outside of our planet. However, although we haven't yet succeeded in finding life outside of our planet, most astrophysicists today believe we could say there's really a consensus um, among astrophysicists. Most astrophysicists today believe that there is very likely life on other planets. Perhaps most notable were um, known scientists like Carl Sagan and Frank Drake, um, who spent both from, I believe from um, Stanford, who spent much of their careers promoting the possibility of there being extraterrestrial existence. And they assumed that there likely is life elsewhere. And if it does exist, then this probably likely intelligent life exists as well. Uh, they further, uh, and they um, further assume that if there is intelligent life and there are many, many 
other groups of intelligent life out there, some of them at least must be smarter and more advanced than we are. If they would have only been developed um, maybe a couple thousand years, a million years before us, then uh, maybe they're a lot more developed or they had better tools, they would be a lot more developed than we are. So, um, so that's the, that's, um, that's a common held belief among astrophysicists today. Uh, today we know, and that's based on the following. Today we know that our solar system is a tiny speck in the corner of the massive Milky Way galaxy, which our galaxy includes over a hundred billion stars. Now that's a big number. We throw around the number billion a lot these days, even trillion, but you can't count to a billion in your lifetime if you think about the size of the number. Now there are, we know that there are billions of other galaxies. It is estimated, we don't know this for certain, but the, the, the estimate scientists you work with today is that the, the, there are possibly 10 to the power of 20, that's 10 with 20 zero stars um, in the universe. Or that would be about a billion times uh, a trillion, a lot, of, a lot of stars in the universe. Now, many of those stars, it's assumed, um, and today we have better knowledge um, that many of those stars have their own planets orbiting. Um, we once thought it was a very small number. Now we think it's a very, very large number of those stars have their own planets. Planets are actually very common in our universe. And so at least some of those planets have the right temperature and the right gases, the right um, elements on them to allow for life to arise just as it rose from our planet. And so therefore scientists assume given the huge number of planets that must be out there, a huge number of them must be at least able to handle life. The probability of life arising on those planets is then very high given the number that exists. Now that would at least somewhat depend on how likely it is for life to spontaneously arise on a planet where the the where the where life is a possibility. So a planet that has the right temperatures and the right um, elements and gases for life. Um, water is considered crucial. Oxygen. Um, what are the um, likeliness? What is the likeliness of life actually arising? So it's generally assumed today, um, this is somewhat of a guesstimate, I'm not sure how accurate this is, that about one in five stars out there can have a planet that is inhabitable. If that would be true, then out of 20 billion, out of 100 billion plant stars in our galaxy, maybe 20 billion of them have inhabitable planets. Um, We've seen, um, we, we have searched for it a lot in recent years via telescopes, space missions in recent decades. Um, we know now there, we're pretty sure that there is no intelligent life within our solar system. All our dry flybys of various planets and various moons um, in recent years, um, our search within our own solar system via telescope um, has pretty much established, we're pretty certain that there's no intelligent life, at least within our own solar system. However, 
um, scientists do believe that if we can find life, not intelligent life, but just very basic life somewhere in our own system, perhaps on a planet like Mars, that likely is able to, or was at some point able to handle life, able to bring up life, then we will see that in a star, in a planet where life is possible, it actually does come up. If we find it on another planet or on a moon of another planet, perhaps, then that would mean that life is likely in other stars elsewhere in our universe. And so in order to prove that, we have spent a huge amount of money sending rovers to Mars, um, searching Mars, and searching some moons around Saturn and Jupiter, hoping to find at least a tiny remnant of life or a tiny record of life somewhere, that even if there was some tiny micro um, biology, um, microbiology of some a micro life that existed somewhere, then that means that life can arise spontaneously in other places. If indeed it can, we can assume that not only did it arise elsewhere, but it arose elsewhere and developed elsewhere. And then by extension, we can assume, given the amount of planets there must then be with life, we can assume that there must be intelligent life as well. So for that reason, we have spent and we continue to spend a huge amount of money. Um, right now, we don't have the ability to send anything very far outside of our solar system. It would take a long time to get anywhere, but at least within our solar system, we're looking to see if other planets or other moons or asteroids may have some record of them. And that way we'd at least be able to have a better understanding of the probability of there being intelligent life elsewhere. We also recognizing that if there is intelligent life outside of our solar system, around on planets, around other stars, um, we probably won't be able to meet them very soon. Um, so our best bet of ever communicating with them would be via radio signal, which moves a lot faster than any spaceship can move. And so we've therefore invested a huge amount of money in building systems to detect patterns in radio signals, signals coming from far away, um, from other stars, um, perhaps even from other galaxies. Um, and there's a whole um, network of systems known as SETI, or Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Um, a lot of re recently, in the last couple of years, a lot of money has been invested, a lot of private money, um, to build systems, some in the process of being built, some that have already been built, to try to track um, radio signals coming from outside our planet and try to see if any of them may somehow give us clues of intelligent life. And that will hopefully allow us to then radio them back and communicate with other advanced intelligent civilizations. No question. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, if you go way out there into the universe far away, perhaps the life forms that are there aren't dependent are so unlike ours that they're not dependent on the same elements as we are to live. You know, maybe they have like totally different kinds of elements than that we have in our universe or solar system. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> you might need to ask somebody who's focused on finding life and other uh, yeah. elsewhere um, on that possibility. Um, I think that's why we're searching on other planets within our reach um, to see if there is life and how life develops there. Uh, we're also searching deep, deep in our oceans and other places where we're deep underground, where places where we don't think 
life is likely to be, and we've found some small traces of life in these places showing that maybe life can exist in ways that we aren't familiar with. But yeah, absolutely, that's a possibility. Okay, thanks. So, and I, I'm not an expert on all the above, what yeah. I just, this overview of where we're holding in our search for life and the likeliness of a being there. Um, again, this is beyond my expertise. What I'm about to address is gonna be our Jewish perspective on it. And there are many, there's many books and articles and you can, you can do the research yourself if you're really, really interested on where we are in the search for life on other planets or elsewhere in the universe. Our question for today is, what does Judaism say? Can there be life on other planets? What does Judaism say? Uh, thank you, Perry, for your question about the Nephilim. What exactly are the Nephilim um, is debated, uh, but we'll, we'll soon touch on um, moving beyond our universe. Um, and that's really another question, maybe the Nephilim go from beyond our universe. So is there life on other planets? Does life exist outside of our um, solar system? Does life exist outside of our universe, uh, outside of our um, outside of our planet, outside of our solar system. And if there is life, is that life intelligent? Can it be intelligent? What would our Jewish teaching say about that? So firstly, to be clear, the basic assumption of the scientists today who believe that there are aliens, there is extraterrestrial beings, with intelligence, and that's, I think it's safe to say, the consensus among most astrophysicists, perhaps not all, um, that it's at least likely um, or a strong possibility, um, that, is based on the, that is based on the belief in how life and humanity came about. And that would not fit with our Jewish beliefs. Fundamental to Jewish belief is that God created our entire universe and everything that is in it. Included in that, in the story of creation in Genesis, um, is the belief that God created life. Life did not arise spontaneously. It was rather designed by God, created by God. For that matter, intelligent life, which really exists only in humans, um, or humans, again, did not arise spontaneously, but was created by God, designed by God, and created by God. So we do not believe that life or humans arose spontaneously. We believe that life in general and humans in particular were designed and created by God. Now, how that belief in creation by God fits with the theory of evolution and the scientific understanding of natural history is a fascinating question. They don't necessarily contradict. Um, and how the two go together is a fascinating discussion. It is beyond the scope of our class today though. We already, I already have a class on it. You can find it on, the, um, on my podcast. Um, if you search on Spotify or iTunes um, or uh, under my name or for Torah Cafe, it should come up and that you'll find there my class on evolution, and there I discuss the apparent contradictions. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to get into that at all, but it should be clear that we believe that life did not arise spontaneously. It was designed by God. Humans 
with their intelligence did not arise spontaneously, but were designed by God. So based on that, the assumption of, as, of astrophysicists that given the probability of life arising on a planet where life is possible, um, given the number of planets that exist, the probability of that pro likely exists, the probability of life arising spontaneously is high. And for that matter, the probability of intelligent life arising spontaneously is high, um, is all based on the assumption that life in general and intelligent life arose spontaneously. Since we don't believe it that, that life or intelligent life arose spontaneously, that entire calculation would not fit with our Jewish values. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no life on other planets. That doesn't mean there's no intelligent life on other planets. Both are still possible. It could be just as God designed life on our planet, God designed life on other planets. Just as God life designed, just as God designed intelligent life on our planet, God designed intelligent life on other planets. That still remains a possibility. So while the scientific argument for life on other planets would not fit with our values, because it relies on a belief in spontaneous generation of life and spontaneous generation of intelligence. Uh, and we don't believe in either of those. Uh, but the very possibility of life existing does not, um, it, it's possible God created life and intelligent life on other planets. That doesn't necessarily mean that there is no life. But there is intelligent life on other planets. So the question remains, from a Jewish perspective, did God create life on other planets? Did God create intelligent life on other planets? Or at least could he have? Yes, Bart. Yeah, what, what does the Torah say about God uh, creating life on other planets? That's my question. Very good. Did God create life on other planets? Is, it, is that commented on in the Torah? <laughs> Very good question. Did he create life on other planets? Could he have created life on other planets? Assuming that if there is, it would have been created by God, just like life here, but did he create life on other planets? Did he create intelligent life? So there was a Jewish microbiologist um, called Velvel Green. He was based in Minnesota um, and he worked for NASA and for two decades, he led NASA's mission to find life on Mars. This was much earlier before there was a rover on Mars um, sending back pictures um, before we ever thought of getting samples when they were just doing flybys, but he led NASA's mission to find life on Mars for two decades. And he was a religious Jew. And he asked the Rebbe once, if Judaism believes that there could be life on Mars, and whether from a Jewish perspective, from a the Jewish theological perspective, should he be looking? Maybe he was wrong to even be looking. And so the Rebbe responded to him that, yes, he should keep looking for life on Mars. <clears throat> if they don't find life on Mars, they should look elsewhere, look on other planets or on moons of other planets. And the Rebbe explained, we believe that God is all powerful. God can do anything. Nothing is outside of God's ability. 
That would include, in our belief of God being all-powerful, that would include the belief God could create life on other planets. And so if we believe, some, if were someone to believe that life on other planets were impossible, they would be limiting God's ability. So as a believing Jew, the Rebbe told Belville Green, he should continue in leading the NASA's quest to find life on Mars. And in fact, the Rebbe took great interest in this subject of whether there is life on Mars. They would actually get regular NASA updates um, from Belville Green directly as to, in their quest, where they're up to, what they found um, in the likeliness of finding life on Mars and on other planets. So can life exist outside of our planet? Absolutely. God can do anything. As part of God's ability to do anything, God can also create life on other planets. No question about that. But was there a mention of the, uh, in the Torah of other planets, other than saying God can do anything? Very good question. So we know that God can make life on other planets. But did he? Is there life on other planets? We know life can exist. He could have. But do we know if he did? And if he did, could that life be intelligent? Could there be other intelligent civilizations, perhaps as smart or even smarter than we are? Though so there does appear some Jewish sources suggesting extraterrestrial life. In the book of Judges, Shoftim, in the story of Devorah, Devorah was a prophet and leader of Israel who led Israel in a battle against Barak, a Canaanite king, and his general Sisera. And she writes a, um, she has a song that she writes afterwards where she um, thanks God for having saved them. They won a great battle against, um, against sorry, Yavin, the king of Canaan, and Sisera, his general, um, and so in her song, she speaks of the inhabitants of Mayrose. The Talmud asks, what is Mayrose? Talmud offers two opinions. One is that Mayrose is a place that did not come to help them. The other opinion the Talmud says is that Mayrose is a star or a planet. And she's therefore speaking of inhabitants of a star or a planet. In Sefer Habrit, a book by Repinchas Horowitz, um, one of the, um, uh, he suggests that, he lived, he lived in the 17th century, suggests, or 18th century, that this shows the Talmud believed that there is life on other planets. We don't know which planet Mayrose is, some say maybe Mars. Today we know there's definitely no intelligent life on Mars. Um, almost certainly, uh, maybe there's some other life we're still looking. Uh, maybe it's another planet further away, um, but there at least seems to be some evidence of, at least according to one opinion in the Talmud, of there being life on other planets. But if there is, would that life be intelligent? If there is life on other planets, can that life be intelligent? So interestingly, in our Jewish sources, as far as I am aware, there is no clear source speaking of life on other planets being intelligent. 
at least of intelligent life on other planets. Unless, um, unless Devorah is speaking of the inhabitants of Meroz was speaking of somehow of intelligent life, but that's not clear. In fact, um, one commentary suggests, Barbeinu Hanano, that Devorah wasn't speaking of life, but was rather speaking of moons that went around the planet, or maybe planets that went around the star. That was the inhabitants it's referring to. Regardless, assuming as uh, Sefer Habrit does and others do, that it is referring to life, could they be intelligent? So interestingly, we don't, as far as I'm aware, there are no sources that speak of intelligent life on other planets. But there is discussion in Jewish sources as to whether the planets and stars themselves are intelligent. Now, we generally don't think of planets or stars being alive, but perhaps they are. Maybe even our own planet, maybe Earth is alive. Rabbeinu Chastai Kreskus, a 14th century Jewish thinker and scholar, in his book, Or Hashem, devotes an entire chapter to this question, are stars and planets alive? He quotes the verse in Psalms 19 that says, Hashamayim Mesaprim Kvot Kel, the heavens speak of the honor of God. Who are the heavens? Not the stars and the planets. They're speaking. They must then be intelligent. And he offers arguments both ways. He actually concludes that he doesn't think planets are alive. He thinks the above verse from Psalms is really just poetic. It's not meant to be taken literal when we say the heavens praise God and speak of the honor of God. It's, 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 a po it's poetic that everything praises God, but it doesn't mean literally that they're speaking. However, Maimonides, the Rambam, one of the greatest Jewish thinkers of all times, in his famous book, Mora Nebuchim, Guide to the Perplexed, um, in part two, chapter four, and he mentions this also in his Mishnah Torah, um, his main work, um, writes very clearly that he believes that stars and planets are alive and are intelligent, are aware, are conscious, are aware of what's going on, they're alive and they're understanding. Not something we usually think about. Uh, Rabbeinu Crescus, who himself has a commentary on Maimonides, um, disagrees on the guide to the perplex, disagrees with it. But, um, but Maimonides definitely believed that the stars and planets themselves are intelligent. Perhaps there's creatures on those planets that are intelligent too. But he thought at least that the stars and planets are intelligent. Now, that would mean at least there is intelligence outside of our own race of humanity. If we count the stars and planets according to Maimonides. Now, we do believe, it's important to point out, we do believe that outside of life beyond our planet, but within our universe, within our reality, we do believe that there is life beyond our own reality. Our sages speak in many places of heaven, 
of Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, of other worlds. It is clear that when they speak of these other worlds, of heaven, of the Garden of Eden, they are not speaking of other planets or other galaxies. They're speaking of other realities that exist beyond our own reality. The Zohar and Kabbalah speak of infinite number of worlds, many, many different worlds. They're not referring to physical planets and stars. They're speaking of other realities that exist. And so it's clear that Jewish belief believes in other realities. God, of course, is the best example of another reality that exists outside of our own reality. But we believe that God created many, many other realities outside of our own. When, and that we believe exists. And we believe that those other realities do have intelligent life. Jewish sources, even in scripture itself, we speak many times of angels, spiritual beings, beings of another reality outside of our own that are intelligent. They don't live within our universe. They don't live on other planets or stars. They're not physical. They're a different reality beyond our own reality. So we do believe, there's no question, we believe in souls, which are also, we believe, are intelligent and a reality beyond our own. We definitely believe that there are other realities and intelligent life in other realities that we are not really able to directly connect. But that's beyond the scope of our discussion today of life on our own, in our own universe, just on other planets and stars. Now, Perry mentioned earlier the Nephilim, um, which at least some translate as fallen ones or fallen angels, um, according to the Midrash. If it would be fallen angels, angels live in a different reality, not on a different planet. So we definitely believe in other realities. Uh, perhaps we should do a class dedicated to the Jewish belief in other realities. So we now know that it is definitely possible that there is life and even intelligent life elsewhere on other planets. We believe that because God can create anything. We further believe that at least one opinion in the Talmud suggests that there is a planet or star called Meroz that has inhabitants mentioned by, in, by Devorah in the Book of Judges. Um, we mentioned that while there's no evidence that there are other inhabitants on other planets with, the, in, in Jewish sources of inhabitants on other planets with intelligence, Maimonides believed, um, and other Jewish thinkers believe that planets and stars themselves are intelligent. But if we accept that there can be intelligent life on other planets, could there then be another chosen people? Could there be another civilization out there somewhere? Maybe somewhere else in our galaxy or in a different galaxy? Maybe people advanced, more advanced than, our, than ourselves, smarter than ourselves? And maybe they're Jewish too. Maybe they have a Torah too. Maybe they're chosen as well. So the Rebbe once addressed this question in a talk in August in 1969. This was right after the first moon landing in July 1969. And the Rebbe pointed out as follows. 
When we say that there are other intelligent beings, we need to define what do we mean by intelligent? So usually what we say intelligent, we mean uh, something that is self-aware, a being that is self-aware and aware of itself, aware of what's going on around it, able to plan, able to understand what is happening. That would be an intelligent being. But then, and that in that kind of intelligence, at least Maimonides believes that the stars and planets themselves are intelligent and aware, conscious. However, there's another part to intelligence, which is the ability to make choices. We humans, in, a in addition to being self-aware, we believe we have the ability to make choices. We have what's called free choice. It's a fundamental belief in Judaism that we have choice, we have free choice. We have the option to choose good and bad, right and wrong. We have another class we did, it's on the podcast as well, about the Jewish belief in free choice. But it's definitely a fundamental belief in Judaism that, Jew, that people, humans, do have free choice. Why did God give humans free will? Because he gave us commandments. And in order for us to fulfill those commandments on our own, by making our own choices, we need to have choice. In order for us to be able to follow God's instructions, as opposed to just do what we're programmed to do, but for us to consciously follow God's instructions, we need to have choice. And so therefore, God created humans with choice only because he gave us instructions. So were God to have created other intelligent civilizations with choice, it would only be because of instructions he would have given them. What instructions did God give us? God gave us, the people of Israel, 613 commandments. He gave all of humanity seven commandments, what we call the seven Noahide laws. All humans have instructions given to them by God. Expectations that we need to fulfill. Things that we need to do to follow God's will here on earth. Those instructions are found in God's Torah. All the instructions can be found in the Torah. The Torah is God's instructions to us. It's the expression of God's will to us. Now we believe the Torah is not just the expression of a handful of instructions from God to us, but it is the total expression of God to us. In other words, everything that God wants, he expressed through his Torah. Everything that God wants from creation, he placed into his Torah. So all instructions for creation are found in his Torah. Torah is, therefore, the truth, we could call it the truth of God. And therefore, the Rebbe says, there can only be one Torah. There is only one truth, only one God, only one expression of that God. There can only possibly be one Torah with one set of instructions. There cannot be another Torah. The Torah is true and there is only one truth. So, if God created other intelligent beings with choice, they would, he would only create them with choice if he gave them instructions. 
The only instructions he would have given them would be through the Torah. So he would have had to have given them the Torah. Now, could he have given the Torah to other civilizations on other planets? Highly unlikely, says the Rebbe. After all, the Torah gives us instructions that work really well on earth. Tells us to blow a shofar from a ram. Tells us to shake the lula. We're filling from Hyde. A lot of instructions, 39 prohibitions on Shabbat, all things that we do here on earth. All the instructions of the Torah fit really, really well on earth. Not only that, the Torah has stories in it. Stories that happened here on earth. For God to have given another civilization the Torah, they would have, a, have to have a civilization where that is the exact same as earth in every single way. Possible, but unlikely. And so therefore the Rebbe concludes, it's highly unlikely that since there cannot be more than one Torah, and God would only give intelligent beings choice if he gave them instructions, and the Torah fits really, really well with earth, unless there's another planet that perfectly mimics our own, it's highly unlikely that there is another intelligent civilization with choice in the same way that we do. Now, that doesn't mean there is another intelligent civilizations that are intelligent without choice, essentially pre-programmed by God. Computers, perhaps. Why he would do it, I don't know. It doesn't mean there isn't life on other planets. There can be, because God is all-powerful. But there can only be one Torah of one chosen people, or at least likely. There, is, there could only be one Torah and likely only one chosen people. Any questions? Yes, you have to unmute yourself. Um, when you say that planets and stars are intelligent, I mean, exactly how is that imagined or expressed? That's a very good question. Um, I don't know. Um, my money suggests that the fact that planets and stars move is evidence to their, um, the fact that they move is evidence to their intelligence. Um, well, from, from a perspective of physics, I don't think that's accurate. In um, exactly how they're intelligent, I don't know. Um, perhaps they're aware of God, aware of what's going on. Um, what freedom of action they have, we don't know. Uh, what we have discovered over time is there are, there are things that are alive in ways that we would have never thought of life. Uh, we've discovered all sorts of various things that don't appear to be living, yet they are living in a sense. Yeah. Um, could a planet be alive? I guess it would depend how we define life. Um, Maybe they are in some sense. Um, could they be conscious? They can. Could they communicate? We don't know what freedom of action they would have to communicate. Um, so I don't know. But that's definitely what he says. Okay. I guess anything's possible.
I'm not sure that that's correct. Anything's possible. I, I don't know that that's, that's not in the Torah. But. Okay. Well, anything's possible for God. Oh, yes, of course. The Carl Sagan and the astrophysicists who strongly promoted the idea and promote the idea today of there being intelligent life on other planets also focused on the philosophical implications of it. Western civilization and really all human civilizations lived on earth with a, what we can call a earth centric perspective or geocentric perspective. The belief always was that the earth is the center of the universe. What we do here on earth and what we want what happens to us is what really matters. At one point, most people believed in what was called a um, Ptolemaic, uh, uh, Ptolemaic geocentric world where the earth is at the center of our solar system and our solar system is at the center of the universe. Copernicus showed that our solar system is really, is really heliocentric with the sun at the center. More recently, as we discovered, um, we discovered that our sun is only a tiny star in the corner of a massive galaxy itself in the corner of a universe so vast that it's beyond imagination. And yet we still feel that as intelligent beings, <coughs> we are the most important things that exist. So, Astrophysicists and really philosophers have argued that the argument for other intelligent life and perhaps many such groups, some smarter than ourselves, removes any sense of centrality or importance to humanity. We now are not all that important. We're just one of many civilizations, perhaps a very primitive one in the corner of a tiny galaxy in the kind of speck in the corner of the universe. It removes the huge implications of our actions and argues as Carl Sagan did, that it makes us, we make ourselves a lot more important than we really are. It argues further that there's really no importance or meaning to our lives, no greater purpose. We're truly insignificant in the bigger scheme of things. We're just one tiny speck in the corner of everything. And a tiny primitive civilization um, compared to much, much more advanced and sophisticated civilizations. There's really no greater purpose, no meaning to life that we always think of. Now in Judaism, we don't reject the science, but we do reject the philosophy. We believe that our lives do have purpose and meaning. We believe that every human being is important. Now we do recognize as astrophysicists claim that we are extremely insignificant. In fact, in Jewish belief, not only do we believe that we are an insignificant speck in the corner of a massive galaxy, itself in the corner of a massive universe. But we believe even further that we are a 
insignificant reality in the corner of an infinite level, infinite realities, all so much greater than our own. And even more so, we believe that God, who is truly infinite, is infinitely greater than us. And from God's perspective, we are infinitesimally small. So yet it's true that we are so tiny and insignificant. And yet, unlike those astrophysicists, philosophers argue, we believe that we do have purpose and our lives do have meaning. God believes in us. God created us, cares for us, and takes interest in us. Despite how small and insignificant we are, God truly takes interest in us. We don't have any real significance on our own because we are infinitesimally small, but God has chosen to take interest in us and make us important. And perhaps this is all best expressed in Psalms in the book of Tehillim by King David in chapter six, in chapter eight, he writes, Ki ere shamecha maase etzbaotecha yareach vachochavim asher konanta. Maenosh kitis kereno venadab kitif kedeno vatechasreo maatme elokim vachavod vadar taatre. When you see, I'm quoting from Psalms, when you see, when I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you have established, what is man that you should remember him? the son of man, that you should be mindful of him. Yet, we are tiny, we're insignificant, to paraphrase King David's words. We're so small, look at the size of our universe. Yet, King David continues, you have made him, man, people, humanity, slightly less than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and majesty. You have given power over the worlds of the, wor the work of your hands. You have placed everything beneath, the, beneath their feet, flocks and cattle, all of them, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. And he overcomes the ways of the sea. God, our master, how mighty is your name in all the earth. Yes, David says, we are so tiny, so insignificant, so meaningless. Just one of such a big, such a, a tiny speck in a massive universe, a tiny reality in a massive string of realities, a tiny finite speck compared to the infinite God. And yet you, God, made us important. You gave us power. You gave us purpose. You gave us meaning. How did God do that? By giving us instructions and telling us to do things. So yes, all that we are truly insignificant but God has chosen to make us matter. We matter as humanity, we matter as individuals. So the astrophysicists are right, we are truly tiny. We are truly insignificant. There may be many other civilizations much bigger and better than us. And we are just this tiny speck in the corner of God's universe. But we believe we are the ones to whom God has given instructions. We are the ones to whom God has given commandments. We are the ones whom God has made important. We matter as humanity. We matter as individuals. Every action that we humans do truly matters because God has chosen to make us matter. So when we leave here today and we walk, go continue on with our day, all those things that we thought mattered to us 
are insignificant specks. Somebody said something offensive. They're an insignificant speck. Someone cut, off, cut, cut you off in traffic. It's just an insignificant speck. Something hurt. You lost something. Something bad happened. It's just an insignificant speck. No reason to get worried about it. No reason to take it seriously. But our actions are important. Yes, humanity and our planet is tiny. But God chose to make our actions important. He takes interest in what we do. So all those other things don't worry about. All the perhaps assets that we've accumulated are insignificant specks. All the name that we've made for ourselves, the honor that we have, the fame, it's insignificant. Who cares? But what truly does matter, God gave us instructions. And we are important when we follow those instructions, when we follow those commandments. That is all that is truly important. So is there life on other planets? Definitely possible. Um, even there appears to be some opinions that there is. Maybe planets themselves are intelligent. We don't believe it's likely that there are other beings with choice as we do, or who, to whom God gave instructions, because there is only one set of instructions. Um, and we believe that while there may be other more advanced um, civilizations, and definitely we're so tiny compared to the size of the universe, we believe we are not truly insignificant. We were made significant by God because God gave us instructions. With those instructions, we are now significant.